Hey everyone, this is Luna. Welcome to another episode of your mom's podcast. I hope everyone's having a good weekend. It's a Sunday. My days are kind of thrown off because I'm not used to my husband working on Saturday. So today feels like a Saturday to me, but it's a Sunday and we had a time change. So that's a little weird. I noticed that uh, my son and I slept until 930 and I was like, wow, we haven't done that in forever. And now I know why, because we lost an hour last night, which is my least favorite thing in the world. And daylight savings time is no longer necessary, but we still continue to do it like idiots. And hopefully one day we can stop. I don't mind gaining an hour. That's awesome. But I always feel when we lose an hour. It's so weird. It's just an hour, but you can always feel it. Anyway, slept pretty good. And my son has been sleeping through the night. I don't want to jinx anything. I think I said it last time, though. He, he was sleeping through the night. So he's doing pretty well. The teething's not as bad now. His ear infection's gone. And he's not going through a growth spurt right now. So I can tell because he's eating less. And when he's going through a growth spurt, he is constantly hungry. The only thing I'm concerned about right now is he really likes his bottle. And I know that he doesn't have to wean off the bottle just yet. I want to kind of start trying, but he is pretty dependent on it. And even in going to sleep, it's kind of hard to put him to sleep without it. But what I've been doing is I'll give him a bottle and he's not quite asleep. So then we'll get in the bed and he doesn't go to sleep right away. He'll kind of climb on me, run around or not run around, but climb around for about, you know, 15 minutes or so. And then he'll usually pass out. But for those 15 minutes, I have to tolerate him pulling my hair, accidentally headbutting me. He, he headbutted me so hard that I almost started crying the other night. He got me in my chin and it was scary because it, he had been crawling around for a while. And then when he headbutted me and he hit my chin really hard, then he laid down and went to sleep right away. So then I was paranoid. I was like, did he knock himself out? And he didn't. He was just ready to go to sleep. And that just happened to he just happened to headbutt me right before that, but I couldn't sleep for two hours because I kept watching to see if he was breathing. <laughs> if he was okay. I wanted to wake him up, but he was all right. And um, yeah, he's doing really well. He will be 11 months old tomorrow. And next month, I keep saying this, but he'll be a year old and I can't believe it. We're approaching that one year mark and it's just so crazy to think that this time last year he was still in my belly and I kind of wish that I could go back a little bit because I can't believe that he's such a big boy. He's taking a few steps on his own. He's going pretty good distance on his own sometimes uh, without us helping, right? So, and without holding on to anything. So I have a feeling by the time he hits his first birthday, he's going to be possibly running so I am um, I'm ready to chase him all over the house kind of ready not really but you know that's part of life it's gonna happen he's um he's just so big I can't believe it and I know I say that all the time but I really can't anyway what I want to talk about today I kind of wanted to talk about something serious I'm actually going to save that for either the middle of the week or the next weekend because I had kind of a rough few days and I don't want to talk about anything serious. I kind of want to like be in fantasy land right now. So what I've been doing a lot of is I love horror movies and as a new mom, I don't get my fix of horror movies like I used to because 
even when he was really tiny, I didn't want him and he could see the TV. I didn't want him seeing weird images that might give him, I don't know, nightmares, whatever. I didn't know how it would affect him. And my husband didn't want that either. So we kind of just try to avoid anything that looks like it's going to, you know, it's going to stick in his mind and cause issues. So, of course, horror movies are off the table. And I know I'm not the only mom that loves horror movies. And I'm sure that a lot of you are probably kind of fiending for them since you can't watch them. I can't really watch a full movie when he takes a nap. When he takes a nap without me, I tend to just kind of like do a little research on the Internet or I I don't really get a whole lot done. And... So, and when, when he's sleeping on me, I still don't want horror movies on in the background. It just feels kind of weird to me. I don't want him hearing that even if he's asleep. So I have been reading a lot of creepy stuff and I've also been remembering some of the movies that I've seen that have been really disturbing and some that I'll never be able to watch again now that I'm a mom because it involves obviously children children getting hurt in ways that I can't even it's not that it didn't bother me before but now it's it's too it's too much right it's too I can't see kids getting hurt anymore so um I've talked about some dark things before some of the movies I'm going to talk about during this podcast I'm going to not go into too much detail in case you want to see them and you don't want me to reveal too much but I also don't I don't want it to be too graphic even though uh, I can say whatever I want I just prefer to keep it mm, a little less I don't know intense but um, some of the stuff I'm going to say is probably going to bother some of you because you might be squeamish or sensitive about things such as horror films and especially ones involving children so if that's going to bother you maybe don't listen to this um, or listen to it. And if it starts getting too crazy, turn it off. And I apologize, but I am warning you. So that's it. I warned you. I'm going to say one more time. If you're squeamish, if you don't like horror, stop listening now. It's not my fault if you throw up. So anyway, the worst movie, let's just start with the worst, right? I'll just dive right in there. The worst movie I have seen involving children is a movie called a Serbian film. Now it was, um, it was shown in Austin at the South by Southwest music festival, music and film festival. They did a midnight showing of it. Um, they premiered it in a lot of other cities, but in Austin, it was a big deal. I didn't see it then. I saw it later. I didn't even know about it until years later, but apparently people couldn't handle it. I think half the audience got up and just left. Like they, they didn't make it through even half the film. Had they seen the whole thing? It probably, oh man, I, I don't even know. It took me, uh, I've seen it a couple of times actually, because I'll tell you why. But first, let me just tell you, like the first time I watched it, it took me forever to finish it because I kept taking breaks to the, at the time I was smoking. So I would take a break and go outside and smoke and Sometimes I felt physically sick because it was just that intense. And literally every bad thing you can think of happens in this movie. And I'm not going to go into too much detail. I'll just tell you vague things. But um, I the reason I found this movie anyway is because I went online and I Googled um, (laughs) most disturbing movies ever. Right. Because 
I have become desensitized, I think, to horror movies and gore. Like, I've always searched for, like, the goriest stuff out there, the most disturbing stuff out there. And I feel like now they're not really, there aren't any good horror movies. Well, not that there aren't any, but they're few and far between. And they're just, there's so much CGI involved now. And I just feel like it's, they don't seem authentic. If that makes sense, <laughs> even though it's not real, but you know what I mean? It's the, the horror just is too, it's too Hollywood and that kind of bugs me. But anyway, so I see people talking about this movie called a Serbian film and I'm like, okay, uh, this guy was like, I don't want to describe it here. Go to Wikipedia, read the, the plot. So I do. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> I don't know if I can watch this because just the description was a little crazy. So, but of course, whenever I feel like something is too much, what am I going to do? I'm going to push myself and I'm going to, I'm going to watch it because that's how I am. Even if I know it's, it might disturb me. I still, you know, I still watched it anyway. So I'm just going to read part of the plot to you. I'm just going to kind of, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, like I said, but just from the plot, and this is from Wikipedia, you'll probably either decide, maybe try it out, or you just stay away from it completely, which most of you will probably stay away from it, and most of you probably should. So it's about a semi-retired porn star. He lives with his wife and his six-year-old son. So right there, you already know there's going to be something bad happening to his family, right? You just know. When there's kids, something's going to happen. His brother is a corrupt police officer and he's kind of jealous of him, right? He, he likes his wife. He's very attracted to his wife. And um, so anyway, her, her, so his wife is kind of curious about her husband's past, right? Because like I said, he's a retired porn star and she's worried about the income for the family because he's retired and now and they don't, they still have money. But she isn't, she's concerned that they're not going to have enough for their kid and to live on for the rest of their lives. So he is contacted, the, the semi, so the re- retired porn star, his name is Milos, he is um, contacted by a former co-star named Layla, and she offers him a role, like the starring role. In this art film that's being directed, it's porn, but it's considered an independent porn like art film. So he wants to cast this guy and um, he's not really sure how he feels about it because he did already catch his son. His son found one of his his tapes and was watching it, you know, and he had to kind of like explain, not explain what it was but that he shouldn't be watching that, that that was for adults or whatever. So he doesn't really want to continue making these movies because he has a kid now, but he's promised a large amount of money that will con, you know, pretty much cover, make sure it'll secure their financial future. Right. And they'll never have to starve. His kid will never have to go without anything. So he decides to meet with the guy that's directing the movie. Um, so when he meets with him, he uh, kind of tells him, um, what was I in? oh, so this shooting, it begins like at an orphanage, right? So he kind of tells him 
we're going to tell you, uh, we're going to give you instructions through an earpiece. So he gives them instructions to the earpiece and he gets out of this car. They're at an orphanage and then the film crew's following him and he comes across this young girl and she's being um, kind of scolded by her mom for disgracing her deceased warrior husband's memory by becoming a prostitute. And then there's a dark room. It cuts to a dark room and the screen shows a little girl eating an ice cream and this dude, Milos, is, I guess he's getting oral sex performed on him by a nurse. Okay, so the little girl's watching this and he sees that and he's like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like he didn't realize that there were going to be kids around, kids involved. So he's like, I don't want to do this. He meets with the director again and the director cut, try and like tries to convince him, look, it's artistic. It's a big deal. It's not like any movie you've ever done. You know, <laughs> he tries to explain his artistic style and then he kind of shows him a film that he's already made of a woman giving birth to a baby. And then I'm not going to tell you what happens after that. You want to find out, look that up for yourself. Um, he storms out. He's like, no, I'm not. I'm definitely not doing it now. He leaves. And then when he's driving away, He's at a like an intersection at a red light and the female doctor that was on the set with the director, she shows up and she seduces him and drugs him. He doesn't know that he's drugged, though. He wakes up later in his bed, um, completely has no memory of what happened. He's bloody. So he goes back to the set and it's abandoned. He finds a bunch of tapes. So as he's watching the tapes, he discovers he was drugged and the drugs that they gave him made him aggressive and aroused and suggestible, highly suggestible. So then after they gave him this drug, then he was the director was able to manipulate him and direct him. So they made the film anyway. And what sucks about this is he's watching stuff that's already happened. So there's nothing he can do. It's already taken place. So all you can kind of do is watch everything unfold. And that's the part that's terrible. It's like, it's already happened. There's no going back. And now he's just having to piece everything together. Um, so he basically ends up performing things, acts like um, abuse, like he beats and rapes, um, murders. Um, and then there's also, so there's, uh, what was it? I don't know. I don't I don't want to give you too many details because I'm basically telling you the whole movie. Um, but then he's also afterwards, he's kind of catatonic after he murders this one woman and he is raped by security. So he himself is raped. Um, and then he sees footage of this girl, the co-star that he had that convinced him to do this movie. She's concerned, but she ends up being taken away and they pull all of her teeth out, right? Because she went against the director. Um, and then she ends up dying and I won't tell you how she died. Look that up for yourself or watch the movie. And then as the footage continues, he's led to this girl's home where an elderly woman praises him for killing her mother. So that young girl that was in the first scene that he was, he was like, I'm not doing this movie. She ends up being the daughter of the woman that he murdered. Um, 
anyway, so the grandmother offers the young girl to him, right? And he refuses. He takes off into the alleyway through a window and um, he's assaulted by a group of a group of thugs when he's in the alley and they take him back to the warehouse with the director. And then at the warehouse, they drug him some more and he's overpowered. Right. But then he goes apeshit. Right. He attacks everyone. He um, this is where I'm going to stop giving you information. So he attacks all these people uh, I won't tell you who. And then two people are brought in that are covered in sheets. Um, and then a man comes in and he takes his mask off and it's his brother. So he's having sex with someone and his brother's having sex with someone and they're side by side and they're covered by sheets and they don't know who they are. But then when it's revealed who those people are, that's like the worst thing in the world for him, right? So... Just by telling you that, you he, he can't imagine it being anyone worse. You probably know what I'm talking about. Um, but everyone gets murdered. And then he goes home with his wife and his son, who are still alive. And they basically all, uh, they don't know what to do. What do you do after something like this happens? You've been completely traumatized, wrecked. So then I'm not going to tell you how the movie ends, but think about it. Use your imagination. If you had just been through all of that and I didn't give you all the details, but you can use your imagination. How would you respond? I mean, what would you do? You don't really, I don't know how you come back from that. I know this is probably really like intense for some people, even though I didn't go into a lot of detail, but just the brief description I gave you. If that's too much, I apologize, but I did warn you. Uh, I'm going to talk about some other movies. To me, this is the worst one. Um, I actually watched it a couple of times after that because I, <laughs> me being the person I am, I wanted to actually share it with people. And I know this sounds horrible, but the reason why is because I watched an interview. So the people that directed this, obviously they're from Serbia. And they were trying to kind of make a statement about their country and their government and what the government is doing to the people there in in Serbia. And this was kind of their artistic take on it. And I know it sounds extreme, but if you look at the history and if you know anything about Serbian government, it might make sense to you. So I know that a lot of people feel, I've read that people feel like it's just, you know, for shock value, it's gore porn, it's, you know, extreme for the sake of being extreme, but I don't see it that way. And even though the content was so horrible, the way it was made, I feel like it was very well made. So if you take away the fact that it was so shocking and so depraved, you just look at how it's filmed and the actors, because there is real acting involved, I promise you. It's actually a really good film, but man, it's um, it's bad, and it's one that I don't ever want my son to see. I he's probably I hope he he's going to listen to my podcast one day and he's going to hear this. I might have to delete this podcast because I do not want him to be like, oh, what's mom talking about, and look it up. So, you know. Anyway, let's uh let's move on from that one. There's some movies that are older 
that um, are pretty creepy. And I'm not going to go into detail about every single movie. I'm just going to list some. Like The Bad Seed. The Bad Seed was from 1956. And that seems like forever ago, right? Um, And then there's Village of the Damned in 1960. And if you remember Village of the Damned, it was uh, this town where it was, there was a mass uh, impregnation one night and it's in this remote British village. So weird. Nine months later, a bunch of children are born. I think like a dozen children. And then as they get older, their hair is like, they're like, they have really, really almost white hair and their eyes glow. And they start, as they get older, they start showing these weird characteristics like telepathy and mind control. And they basically can make people do anything they want them to do. Right. So it's pretty creepy. I'm sure a lot of you have seen that. I don't know. I think they made a remake of that, which probably wasn't as good. Uh, Then there's also Rosemary's Baby. Rosemary's Baby was in 1968. This was one of my favorite ones with Mia Farrow. So if you know about Rosemary's Baby, cool. If you don't, I'll tell you a little bit about it. So basically what happens is um, Mia Farrow, she is Rosemary and she's a Roman Catholic woman in Manhattan. She moves into this building with her husband, who's an actor. And it's this really awesome Gothic apartment building. I think it's called the Dakota. And I think it's that, or actually, no, I'm wrong. It's not the Dakota. It's something else. Can't remember the name of it now, but I thought originally it was the the Dakota. But it is an actual building that people live in, in Manhattan. Um, So there's a coven of Satanists in this building and her, she has these two neighbors that are really creepy, these two old people and they take a sudden interest in her and, and during her pregnant, she gets pregnant and they're trying to like give her all these like home remedies for nausea and all this stuff and trying to like, I don't know, they're constantly around. They recommended a doctor for her to see who obviously is one of their, their coven and One night she dreams that she's raped by Satan and wakes up all covered in scratches and um, she loses weight throughout her pregnancy. So she's really afraid that she's going to lose the baby. But um, well, and she thinks that she does. So she goes into labor and then she wakes up and there's no baby and they tell her the baby died and she's devastated. But then she's in her bedroom and she's recovering and she hears through the wall a baby crying and she's like, that's my baby. That's my baby. She knows it's her baby. And she ends up, they keep telling her, no, no, um, keep giving her medication to keep her kind of out of it. And one night she wanders over. Um, I think she went through a closet or something that led her into this other apartment where they were keeping her baby. And they, all these people, all these Satanists are there and they're gathered around this baby. And he's in this crazy black bassinet and Um, you know, they're like, get her out of here. And then, you know, I guess the guy who is actually, um, the leader of this crazy cult, he's like, no, um, she has a right to see her son. Uh, she's the mother, respect the mother. And she goes over and looks at the baby and his eyes are all messed up. And obviously he probably looks like a little demon and they're based, she starts freaking out, obviously. And they're like, be a mother to him. You know, that's your son. Be a mother to him. And they start saying, hail Satan, hail Satan and all this stuff. And it's really creepy. And 
I don't know. I, I'm not going to tell you everything. I mean, I did kind of tell you everything, but you have to see it for yourself. It's, um, it still creeps me out, especially the end. The end really, I watched it while I was pregnant and I was like, nope, not again. That's, uh, that's it for me. The Exorcist from 1973, which also feels like forever before I was born. Only a few years though. I'm getting up there. Um, so everybody knows pretty much about the exorcist. I think even kids today, kids. Yes. Unfortunately kids. Although I did watch horror movies as a child. I don't really remember how old I was, maybe like nine or 10 when I started watching them. My mom watched them with me and she kind of knew that I was okay. I didn't have nightmares. I didn't, you know, I could tell, you know, reality from, uh, make believe. And so she knew that I, I was okay. So she usually let me watch them and we used to have like horror movie marathons and I probably watched some stuff that I shouldn't have seen, but I did pretty well with it. But then when I became interested in serial killers and everything, she shouldn't have been surprised, but I ended up pretty normal considering. Um, So in The Exorcist, so you have Linda Blair, she's 12 years old and she plays Reagan. I'm sure you're familiar and her mom, uh, she's the daughter of a single mom who's an actress, and she finds a Ouija board, right, in this house they're staying in while her mom's filming this movie, and she starts talking to this guy called Captain Howdy, and then over the next few weeks, she has um, a bunch of medical tests done because she starts acting weird, she starts having what they think are maybe like seizures, so they think maybe she has epilepsy, but her whole bed is shaking Like, you tell me what kind of epileptic fit causes your whole bed to shake. Um, So the tests don't reveal anything. So her mom obviously talks to a Catholic priest and they they agree to do an exorcism to there's two priests, a young priest and an old priest. Um, So if you've seen it, I guess I probably won't spoil it for many people. If you haven't already seen the exorcist, then you deserve to be to have spoilers. Uh because there's no excuse for not seeing it anyway so the young priest ends up after she because she kills the the old priest or he dies during the exorcism um she so so the young priest grabs her and is basically like he's furious right and he's like damn you and he's not mad at her he's mad at satan he's like leave her alone you know like come into me or whatever take me And so you see the moment that the demon leaves her and goes into him. You see his eyes change and he jumps out the window to kill himself, right? So he throws himself out the window, falls down these stairs, he dies. And then, you know, you would think that's the end of it, right? But then there's Exorcist 2, 3, I think that's it. Um, To be honest, I saw the second and third one. I wasn't impressed by them. The second one to me was super weird. The third one, I don't know. The first one, sometimes there shouldn't be sequels. I feel like they should have just stopped it there. And this was based on a true story. Um, Obviously, loosely based on a true story, but nonetheless, I don't know. I'm not a religious person, so I can't sit here and be like, I believe in demons. I believe in, you know, exorcism and all that. But I question it sometimes because... There are so many cases all over the world that are a little hard to ignore. But anyway, uh, there's also The Omen. 
Now, the omen's another old one from 1976. The omen, of course, is about a couple that um, the woman, she loses her baby during childbirth, but her husband knows she'll be devastated. So he's, you know, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And basically someone tells him, look, there was a child born, a boy, um, when your son died and the mother, uh, I think they said the mother died or abandoned him. I think they said the mother died. And so they're like, you can adopt this baby and not tell your wife and she'll think that it's her baby or your baby, whatever. And you can raise it as your own. So they agree. He agrees reluctantly. He's kind of like, I don't know, but he agrees because he doesn't want to tell her that their child died. So she's raising this kid thinking it's hers. And, you know, things are fine for the first few years. And then he starts acting bizarre. Weird things start happening around him. Um, he totally flips out when they're about to go to church, like they're down the street from the church and he completely loses it and attacks his mom. They have to go home. Uh, there's a dog that follows him around. The nanny's completely weird. <laughs> what the first nanny ends up hanging herself from a window on their house, like the outside of the house during his birthday party. He basically like, it's weird. It's weird. There's several of these movies as well. So basically he's, he's the daughter or the son of Satan. Right. Um, the mother, when they go to dig her up, because the dad starts doing research and it's actually like the skeletal remains of a jackal. So if that tells you anything, right? So, and then also they found the grave of his son, his actual son. So his son did not die in childbirth. They find a large hole in his son's head. So they actually killed him. They killed his son. So his son was still alive. They killed his son so that they could give this other baby, this demon baby, Damien to him. So it's messed up. They did a remake of this too with Julia Stiles and it was okay, but nothing's better than the original. So if you haven't seen that, I'm surprised you need to watch it. Halloween 1978. Now Rob Zombie did a really good job doing his version of Halloween and the second one, Halloween 2. I liked them a lot. A lot of people didn't, but I feel like he did a great job, especially, you know, he did House of a Thousand Corpses. Um, and right now I'm blanking on the other one, Devil's Rejects. He did a few other movies too, but Devil's Rejects, that was one of my favorites. But anyway, the original Halloween, of course, will always be my favorite. And I can't even tell you how many times I've seen that. So this came out in 1978. This is the year I was born. Um, so the original Halloween, you got Michael Myers. He's six years old and he kills his sister. He stabs her to death on Halloween night when his parents are out. They come home to find him. He's standing outside with a knife, um, a bloody knife, blood. You know, they're like, oh, my God. Our son's a murderer. Happy Halloween, right? So they end up putting him in a mental institute because what are you going to do after your son kills your your teenage daughter? You know, that's pretty much the only option you have. Uh, he's under the care of Dr. Samuel Loomis, who's a, a character in a few of the movies. 
Uh, 15 years later, he ends up getting out of the asylum and he goes back to Haddonfield, his hometown, where he starts stalking and killing um, a babysitter and her friends. Now, the person that he's stalking is his sister, who was a baby at the time. So he had an older sister and then he had a baby sister, uh, Lori Strode, right? So he killed his older sister, but not the baby. But now he goes back, I guess, to finish the job. And so he ends up killing her friends. He doesn't kill her. Uh, There's several Halloween movies now. And it's weird because, you know, there's Halloween H2O where she grows up. She's like changed her name and everything. Lori has. Uh, And she's changed her name. She's working as a headmistress at the school. And she has a son, a teenage son. But then I think there was a... After that, another movie came out where she's living out in the middle of nowhere and she's basically her house is a fortress, right? And she has a daughter. So it's really weird. So there's two different storylines. They're both interesting to me, but I prefer um, the one with the sun. I think that one is better. And Halloween H2O is pretty good. I've seen that a bunch of times as well. Um, It's not my favorite, but I think it was pretty well made. The Shining. The Shining's another one that was in 1980. So if you know about The Shining, if you don't, I'll tell you. So uh, Jack Nicholson plays the lead character and he's a writer. And they go to this hotel in, in the mountains in Colorado, which is called The Overlook. And it's actually, um, it's a pretty cool place. There is a hotel that it wasn't in Colorado and I can't remember where it is now, what they based it on. Um, so the Torrance family, that's who they are. They go to this hotel because he's going to be a caretaker, Jack Nicholson's character. He's going to be the caretaker there and he's going to basically be able to stay there. They get to stay there for free, right? It's in the winter. So the staff isn't there. But they have a fully stocked kitchen. They get the ho- the whole hotel to themselves. So he's going to sit there and write his book. He's writing a book. He's going to sit there, do his book. His wife is there with their son. And they're just going to kind of hang out and do whatever. So he starts going a little nuts. Because there was a man there before that had gone crazy and killed his whole family. <laughs> now he's in the same situation and he's starting to go a little nuts. Um, but Danny, who's the, his son, goes riding around the hotel in his little big wheel thing. And he starts seeing all these ghosts. And he comes across these twins. These two little girls are known as the Grady twins. And they were murdered there by their father. Um, so they keep showing up. They keep showing up. And at first they... Every time he sees them, they're like, come play with us, Danny. It's so creepy. These little twins haunted me for years. Um, And then later on, he sees a vision of them who were actually, they were sisters. They weren't twins. They were age 10 and 8. And he sees their corpses lying in a a hallway near an axe. So he sees them murdered. Uh, There's a lot of other weird stuff that goes on in the movie. He ends up getting away, him and his mom. And then later, if you know anything about, if you follow it, so Dr. Sleep, there's a movie called Dr. Sleep that came out not too long ago and Ewan McGregor's in it. So it's basically Danny as an adult, right? So that's pretty cool. Um, I actually only watched the first half of that movie and I think I was trying to watch it after I had my son and then I had to like 
turn it off because he woke up from his nap. So I need to actually go. It's taken me almost a year to watch this movie. <laughs> but um, I'm sure I've read some really good reviews, but some people had some pretty bad things to say about it. But, you know, it's like that with everything. Not everybody's going to love every movie that you do. So... I apologize if I'm kind of, I'm just, I'm half reading stuff about the movie and half remembering it from when I watched it. So I don't remember everything exactly the way that it was, but The Shining, I've seen that one a bunch of times too. And Stanley Kubrick is one of my favorite directors ever. So Clockwork Orange, he did that Full Metal Jacket. He did so many good movies. Um, Poltergeist is another one. (sighs) Poltergeist. So the clown, if you remember the clown that pulled Robbie under the bed, I will never forget that. My, we had a clown doll that looked exactly like that one. And I got locked in the closet by my brother when I was little. He let me watch Poltergeist when he was babysitting me. He locked me in the closet, the clown doll after that scene. And I cried and screamed and freaked out. And he got in a little trouble for that. But after that, I hated clowns. Obviously, I was traumatized. And I still don't like them. I'm getting over it, though. But, man, I went to a haunted house with my husband not too far back. And there was this one section. It was all clowns. And I just, dude, I like. I kept trying to drag him through there. I just, that, that movie has scarred me for life. And it's not even, it's really my brother's fault, to be honest. But, there's a whole lot of messed up stuff about Poltergeist. If you haven't seen it, check it out. That's all I'm going to say about that. Children of the Corn. That's another one from the 80s, 1984. Um, and this one is basically a town full of children. There's no adults. They murder adults. They stalk their prey among like the corn rows in town. And they have a leader that's a 12-year-old named Isaac. And he takes orders from a malevolent spirit who is only known as he who walks behind the rose. So it's basically this bloodthirsty uh, entity that commands children to murder all the adults in the town to ensure they get a successful corn harvest. That's the whole summary there. (laughs) It's pretty cool, though. Um, Firestarters listed as one of the creepiest movies. I don't really think is that creepy, but... I don't know. It's another one, uh, another Stephen King story and Drew Barrymore is in it. It's from 1984. Um, basically, so there's these two college students. I'll just read this. College students, Andy and Vicky, volunteer for an experiment where they receive low doses of a hallucinogen known as LOT6. Years later, their nine-year-old daughter, Charlie, who is Drew Barrymore, reveals the ability to start fires with her mind as well as see into the future abilities which government agents seek to exploit. That should tell you what you need to know. It's um, it's a pretty cool movie, but I wouldn't think of it really as... It, to me, it's not creepy. It's not bad, though. Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery is one that I read the book first, and obviously Stephen King's books are all, they're amazing. The way he describes things, you can picture everything as you're reading it. And that book creeped me out so much because the mom in the movie, one of the main characters, she had a sister when she was growing up, Zelda, that was, um, she had spinal meningitis and she was severely deformed. And 
even before I saw her on the screen in the movie, I could picture her and she scared the hell out of me. And anytime I went into my bedroom, I would like have my mom come with me. This is the only time that my mom knew that something was bothering me after I read something or watched something because normally it didn't affect me. And for months she had to like turn the light on in my bedroom for me before I would go in because I would see this, this girl in my bed and it's so freaky. So basically what happens is the Creed family, they move into this little town where there's um, a really busy, busy road that goes right in front of their house. And there's always these, this huge 18 wheelers going in through there, um, which is pretty dangerous when you've got children and you've got pets. So their neighbor, Judd, basically tells Lewis, who's the new doctor in town, he's working at the college, says uh, this road's very, very deadly. A lot of people's animals have died here. So there's a pet cemetery. So they go for a walk one day, take their kids. They go down this trail. They see the pet cemetery. Um, his little girl, Lewis's little girl gets upset because they have a cat. And he's like, you know, we'll get him fixed so that he's not likely to roam around. So they get him fixed. But he ends up getting smushed by a truck anyway. But she is visiting her grandparents with her mom. So Judd basically is like, let's go take this cat. Let's go bury him in this Indian burial ground beyond the pet cemetery that I showed you where nobody's ever supposed to go because they don't ever come back the same, but do it anyway, right? He should have known better. Cat obviously comes back all crazy and dirty and like evil and is dropping rats in the bathtub when Lewis is taking a bath and he stinks because he's dead. And the little girl knows something is up with him, but she's still got her cat. But the worst part is they're having a picnic one day and his little son, Gage, who I think is about maybe almost two years old. He's still a baby, pretty much. He's but he can walk. He's flying a kite. And of course, he drops it and it goes into the road. And what's he doing? Nobody's paying attention. Here goes little Gage running towards the road. And here comes a truck. Right. Of course. So this is the thing that bothered me. The mom is screaming at the dad to get the baby, get the baby. She's just standing there. She's like, get the baby. Dude, if I saw that happening, I would have taken off immediately. First of all, I wouldn't have taken my eyes off the kid when there's a busy road with trucks going up and down it all the time. Like, you don't do that. And so she's yelling at him. He's running to get his kid. And of course, he trips and falls. Right. And Gage gets hit by a truck. Obviously, he doesn't make it. It's devastating for the whole family. And uh, so... So they go, uh, they have the funeral and she goes and stays with her parents for a while. And what does he do? Judd tells him not to do it after he showed him this Indian burial ground. He's like, don't do it. But of course, Judd or uh, Lewis goes and digs him up, takes him to the burial ground and he comes back. And of course, he's an evil, creepy kid, a murdering kid. Um he does some crazy stuff to Judd. I won't tell everybody in case you haven't seen it yet. Um, and he does some stuff to his mom. And then obviously she comes back because somebody decides he can't live without his wife and buries her too. And she comes back. And then, of course, she probably you don't see it happen, but, you know, she kills Lewis. So anyway, I know I said I wasn't going to tell you everything, but I pretty much told you everything. But there's a lot of stuff in there that uh, you have to see. You just have to see it. Me telling you about it is not going to be enough. You have to see this movie. 
it's almost to me as good as the book. And I don't usually say that because it's really hard to get all those details and the descriptions into a movie, but they did a really good job. I feel with pet cemetery. I saw the remake horrible. I don't want to say trash, but yeah, trash. So (laughs) I don't know. The remake just, it just didn't do anything for me at all. Now there are a bunch of other movies. There's so many, I can't even go through all of them, but one of the ones that, and this one isn't super creepy to me, but Interview with the Vampire. Um, Kirsten Dunst plays a little girl named Claudia. It's the first movie I think she was in or that I remember seeing her in. But she's 10 years old and, you know, there's the plague and everything and her mom's dead and uh, they find her. Brad Pitt finds her and takes her back. He doesn't have a companion. and He's kind of fed up with, with Louis, who is Tom Cruise. Um, so he takes this little girl since her mother died from the plague, takes her and um, I don't think he, he didn't want to turn her into a vampire, but of course, Louis um, is like, you need her. She needs you. They turn her into a vampire. They become super close. Like they can't live without each other. Right. But she watching her kill people, like stalk people and kill them she looks so innocent and it's just to me that's the creepy part but she did a really good job um i really like that movie a lot i've seen that multiple times as well uh some of the other movies like the ring i saw the original one it's a japanese horror film and then they did a remake which i think they did pretty good with the remake but i uh the little girl samara it makes me really sad because you think that this little girl is so evil, but there's a reason for it. You know, you come to find out that she was just, she, the way she was treated, she wants revenge, you know, she was locked up and forgotten about. And I mean, I don't want to go into detail about it because for some reason, this movie really, it really gets to me when I watched the ring, I didn't get freaked out. I actually cried. So I don't really want to talk a whole lot about it, but if you haven't seen it, definitely see it, watch the original, but also be sure to watch the remake because that was the one that really got to me, the imagery and the story. Once you find out what's going on at first, you're just like, Oh my God, this crazy girl is murdering people. But then you're like, she kind of has a good reason to do it. (laughs) So I kind of, I sympathized with her. Um, I think I I think I'm going to stop there because there's several others, but oh, oh, hold on before I stop. There is one more, one more that uh, I don't think it's enough um, recognition. I don't feel there's a movie called Orphan and this is, I think, do not quote me on this, but I think that's this actually not the same exact story happened, but I think something similar happened and it's really creepy. Um, so there's this couple, they have two children, but their third child, uh, ends up being stillborn and their marriage is kind of crumbling and the mom is recovering from being an alcoholic. So they decide they're going to adopt another child. So they adopt a nine year old girl from Estonia. Her name's Esther. Um, and 
the five-year-old daughter that they have, she likes her immediately, but their son who's 12 thinks that he feels like something's wrong, right? That something's wrong with this girl. She is evil. She's trying to kill people. She, she's super creepy because she's this kid. But when you look at her, she doesn't look like, she does look like a kid, but she doesn't, if that makes any sense. And then you find out why, because she's not, she's actually a 30 year old woman trying to seduce the husband. Um, she has, her teeth are all like, Oh, but she's got like these fake teeth and everything. And, you know, one night she like dresses up and puts on makeup and tries to seduce the husband. And anyway, that's all I'm going to tell you about that. But yeah, she was a nine-year-old girl supposedly, but she ended up being a 30-year-old woman. And it's creepy because there are kids that have certain disorders that even as they age, they still look like children and they can pull this off. And that's really weird. Can you imagine adopting a child and finding out that they're actually a 30 year old adult anyway <laughs> uh no thank you um insidious was kind of crazy but that one is really not too much uh the children in that movie weren't creepy to me so i'm not even going to talk about insidious i'm just kind of scrolling through some stuff um there was a movie called uh, mama from 2013 and this one is basically these two little girls, they get rescued after they, they've been out in the wild. They've been, they're basically feral, right? Um, they've been out by themselves for like five years in the wilderness. Their dad was a stockbroker and he ended up being completely disgraced, losing his career. He lost all the money that they had in like the 2008 stock crash. So he murdered their mother and at the time they were three and one years old and then he took them to a cabin in the woods and they lived there by themselves for like five years. And after they're rescued, there's a psychiatrist taking care of them and they keep returning or they keep referring to mama. Uh, they have this like weird maternal protector that's out there in the cabin. And um, one of the girls ends up being able to be integrated back into society society but the other girl wants to remain feral so it's kind of creepy um it's really good though it's not i watched that movie for sure um the babadook that one i'm not going to go into either but check it out the boy from 2016 this one is weird so there's a nanny taking care of a boy who's actually a doll um She's kind of freaked out by it. Uh, she's in this really big old house and she takes the job, even though she's just taking care of a porcelain doll that they named Brahms um, and treat him like they're his kid. And a lot of weird things start happening. She starts hearing a, a sobbing child. She gets phone calls that get cut off all the time. And the doll seems to kind of move around on his own and it turns out that their son is actually there. He's like full grown, but he's like, a, he's like deranged, right? He's got the mind of a child still. And he lives like kind of like in the, in the walls of the house in the attic. And he's been there the whole time. So moving this doll around watching her. So it's really weird. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a bunch. Um, Annabelle's another one. That was a demon doll that actually Lorraine and Ed Warren ended up taking up and keeping in their museum. Um, 
I won't tell you what that's about. You've probably already seen it. If not, look up Annabelle. Um, I will tell you, they had, so Ed and Lorraine Warren, they always went and investigated paranormal incidents and tried to help people that were having trouble in their homes, getting rid of, mm, I, I guess, spirits, whatever you want to call them, entities. Um, they're pretty interesting, pretty troubled couple, though, if you really read into what was going on in their personal lives. But they're both dead now. He died before Ed Warren died several years ago and Lorraine Warren passed away just recently, pretty recently. Um, and uh, they had a museum at their house. You could go and see all the things that they had collected. And they had an Annabelle doll who didn't look like the one in the movie. It was like a big raggedy Ann looking doll. And they kept it in this glass case. And they were like, do not let this doll out. Leave it locked up. But sometimes they would find it in random places in their house. Uh, There was a couple that came to look at the doll. And the guy started making fun of the doll and saying that she wasn't scary and just, you know, just being rude. And on the way home, he crashed his motorcycle into a tree and died. So that's all I'm going to say about that. Do not taunt demon dolls. (laughs) Um, so I'm going to stop here for now. Uh, I do have, so I'm considering this part one of this podcast. Part two is going to be a little more serious and I'm going to be detailing some information about autism. Um, I'm going to be talking about signs of autism in young children. Uh, I'm going to be talking about... Um, um, some things I have found out recently about girls getting diagnosed later than boys and some people don't find out till they're adults and that kind of, I don't know if it's kind of helps everything fall into place. You know, when you find out as an adult that you're autistic, then you can kind of go, well, you might feel relieved because you can kind of make sense of some of the things that went on in your life where you felt like something was off and you weren't sure why you didn't understand why you felt the same, felt the way that you do about some things, the way you act around, um, people, how you act in certain situations. So I want to talk about that. And then I also want to talk about the fact that they try to basically do conversion therapy. It's basically conversion therapy on autistic children to try to cure them. And this is the equivalent to me of taking someone that's gay and trying to turn them straight because we know that that happens too. And that's just like crazy. So I want to go into some detail about that as well, because what they do to these kids, it needs to be known and it needs to be stopped. And I think that we need to create a lot more awareness about it. So I will be talking about that. Um, I'm hoping sometime this week between Monday and Wednesday, I'll hop back on here and I'll go into detail about that and kind of let you guys know what I've been hearing and, um, Maybe you already know about some of this therapy. Maybe you don't, but when I feel like I need to talk about it and just make sure that if you have children that are autistic or you're concerned about them being autistic, you get them evaluated. Just make sure that you do a lot of research and you talk with doctors and, and, and do what's right for your child. 
conversion therapy, which includes shock therapy to try to snap them out of that and help them become what that you they consider normal. This is not something that you need to consider. And if anyone is trying to push you towards it, um, steer clear, switch doctors, find some other resources, get a second opinion. Um, but anyway, I'll talk about that soon. I'll save that for later. Hope everybody had a great weekend. Thanks for listening. And I will be around later. Take care of yourselves.